millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. An Erio's original. Each week, we decide who's to blame for a historical tragedy. And each week, you tell us if we got it right. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and this is The Aftermath. The Aftermath. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Aftermath. Today, we're speaking with guest expert, Dr. Carol Myers. Professor Myers is an American biblical scholar. She's the Mary Grace Wilson Professor Emerita of Religious Studies at Duke University. Myers' field of research is focused on biblical studies, archaeology in the Middle East, and the study of women in the biblical world. She has written extensively on the book of Exodus, and her book, also titled Exodus, is out now. Let's hear what she has to say about the 10 plagues of Egypt. Hi, Professor Myers. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning. I would love to start off by having you set the scene for us. Uh, Where do the 10 plagues supposedly take place? Uh, What is happening in that world during this time? 
Well, the the information we have about the so-called 10 plagues, and I'll say so-called because I will unpack them a little bit later, but they they have us, the narrative has us in Egypt. And according to the, the narrative, there are some Hebrews there who had come probably come down there centuries before, and they want to go back to their homeland. And according to the narrative, they eventually are led out of Egypt back towards their homeland by a man named named Moses, along with his brother Aaron. They're actually two two leaders. And they they run into problems because the Egyptian ruler, the pharaoh, who is not named, uh, doesn't want to let, let them go. And the narrative constructs this sequence of disasters, which supposedly will convince the Pharaoh that the Israelites have some kind of power on their side, which should be heeded and should let the people go. It leads to this refrain, let my people go. And this happens over and over again, according to the narrative, 10 times. And then finally, the people do escape. And then the the Pharaoh and his armies are not happy about that. They try to chase them to get them back with their chariots and horses. And according to the narrative, the the sea that they come to is miraculously split. The children of Israel miraculously get through and the Pharaoh and his soldiers and armies drown in the water. So that's that's the kind of biblical narrative that sets the scene for the the plagues being the the thing that ultimately um, allows for the release of these sojourners in the land of Egypt. Now, what is the legitimacy of this, of, of the 10 plagues? Um, <clears throat> First of all, let's start with the word plagues. It doesn't, it's a word, there's a Hebrew word for plague. It's magefa, for in case your audience knows Hebrew. And it designates the fat, a diseases that have a fast transmission rate and high mortality rate. In other words, it's it's very deadly disease. Um, it's an epidemic of deadly disease where a lot of people die in a short amount of time. Now, all those t- of all those ten things that are mentioned, only one or maybe two fit that description. The Bible itself never talks about these ten incidents as ten plagues. They are referred to other places in the Bible, and there are, there are three names for them. They're sometimes called signs, that is signs from God, that to tell the Pharaoh they has to let these people out. Sometimes they're called wonders, which is very similar, and sometimes they're called signs and wonders. It's only for the 10th one of in this series where there's widespread sudden death of the firstborns, that the plague, that the the biblical word, the Hebrew word for plague is used. In addition, a a similar form also occurs for one of the other plagues where where humans die. But there's the other eight, eight incidents, signs and wonders or whatever you want to call them, do not involve death, certainly not epidemic death. So the term plague in English is really a, a very misleading word. Now, 
the matter of 10, I'll, I'll get back to a little bit later, I guess, when we talk about historicity and literary devices, but 10 is a kind of symbolic number. So it's in no way meant to be a literal counting of something that happened. There is one of the these signs and wonders does involve an outbreak of disease that the fifth plague, which is pestilence, um, which is another biblical term for disease, but it's not, it would be something like malaria, which would make a lot of people sick. Some might die, but it's not wiping out a whole population. And you said that 10 is, is a symbolic number. What does it stand for? <clears throat> well, it can mean wholeness. It can mean completion. Um, it can mean a whole, that this is a, a, a set of things that belong together, like the Ten Commandments, for example. There are a number of other places in the Bible where we see 10 used in a kind of symbolic rather than literal way. Interesting. Now, I would love to talk about the, you know, the, the, the historicity of it, the signs and wonders. Did okay. they, <laughs> did they actually happen? Well, let's put it this way. Each one of them might refer legitimately to something that might happen in the Egyptian ecosystem. Let's go through them one by one. The first one is blood, uh, that the river turns to blood. Well, the word for blood and the word for red are very similar in Hebrew. So some people say that it was the river looked bloody when red clay was swept down the Nile from Ethiopia, from the Ethiopian highlands. But again, that means taking it metaphorically. Then frogs um, are affected um, by the aeration of water that could lead to the death of fish. We have lice. Obviously, that can happen. Flies can happen. Pestilence can happen. Boils, um, which are symptoms of, could be symptoms of a cattle disease, can also happen. Now, then we have all these atmospheric things that happen in the seventh, eighth, and ninth signs and wonders. Hail is rare in Egypt, but can happen in lower Egypt in late spring and early fall. Locusts are common, not only in Egypt, but all over North Africa and the Middle East. And darkness, maybe that's a, a dust storm, uh, dust coming up from the South Libya. So all these things in nature can happen. But that doesn't prove that the sequence in, you know, fast order, it doesn't mean that that was historical. And some of them, as I said, have to be interpreted metaphorically, like darkness. Well, if, if, it's, if it's dust, then it's not really darkness. So all of these things put together to create a kind of narrative tension. And do, <clears throat> let me say something else before I talk about why they're put together like that. Plagues or signs and wonders are mentioned a number of different times in the Bible. As I said, other places where they're mentioned, they're not called plagues. They're called signs or wonders or signs and wonders in other places. In addition, and this is something that's not widely recognized, there are two Psalms in the book of Psalms, the Psalter, Psalm 78 and Psalm 105, which list plagues. But Psalm 78 only lists seven of them. Psalm mm -hmm. 105 also lists only seven of them. And seven, by the way, is another symbolic biblical number, like the seven days of creation, for example. Mm. In addition, 
There are some that appear in pestilence, for example, appears in Psalm 78, but not in Psalm 105. Darkness appears in Psalm 105, but not in some Psalm 78. And then others are just you know, omitted entirely. So clearly, there are various traditions amongst the ancient Israelites of these cataclysmic events that are told that are that are considered to be part of Israelites' prehistory. Um, there are no boils in any of these lists. No one has swarms of insects; the other has swarms of life. So, the presence of these conflicting biblical plague or calamity traditions suggests to most biblical scholars that they shouldn't be explained as a set of of historical disasters. And I would also add that there are Mm. internal contradictions. For example, um, in the the, um, first one, the river turning to blood or the Nile turning to blood, um, in, in the text itself, in one part of it, only the Nile is affected. And in another part of the text, all Egyptian water turns into blood. So there are various traditions that emerged over hundreds of years that are kind of being combined into one big set in the book of Exodus. Mm. They are told, they are stories told by people who are very familiar with Egyptian ecology. And they are put together like that in order to emphasize something. What are they emphasizing? God's power. They're all over the top in terms of severity. They couldn't have happened together, or probably there would be Egyptian records that um, referred to them. Uh, So in reality, they become, it's kind of the Bible's language of saying that God would want people to be free. And this Horrific, these horrific natural phenomenon, their intensity, their rapid fire time, timing are a vivid expression of God's extraordinary power, of course, culminating in what really is a plague, the slaying of the first form. So to see them as just sequential natural historical occurrences is to rob them of the theological significance of the narrative. Now, we, we have to remember that in the world in which these narratives are taking place, Israel is not yet monotheistic. It is not yet a people that believes that there's only one God in the whole world. Um, I think, and many, many biblical scholars would say that a better word to describe the Israelites is that they're monolatrous. That is, they believe that every people had its own God. So they have this one God. Other peoples maybe have more than one God, but they worship only this one God. Notice in the Ten Commandments, it says, you shall have no other gods before me or in addition to me. It doesn't say there are no other gods. So Israel is monolatrous, and its, its traditions, its emerging stories um, are trying to get that point across that that. This God that's called Yahweh, W-A-H-W-E-H, um, the so-called tetragrammaton, the four-letter word that's the name of God. Why does God even have a name? 
If there's only one God, God doesn't need to have a name, but you have to have a name for your God to distinguish that God from other deities of the peoples around. So these stories have this kind of wonderful um, interplay in gradually increasing dramatic attention between Pharaoh, who himself is a god and has other Egyptian gods working with him, and the god of this, these people, the Israelites, the people who would become the Israelites. And the, it builds up the, these signs and wonder stories, build up, build up this narrative tension. Which one is going to be stronger? And in the end, we see that the culmination of these signs and wonders is that the God of this people, these foreigners living in Israel, that this God is more powerful and he can overpower even the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh's gods. <clears throat> so it's a, a literary way of expressing the importance of Israel's God and the power of Israel's God. And furthermore, that Israel's God can act in ways to bring about a, an important result, that is freedom of a people to live in their own land. Now, I, can I, I just want to say one other thing about history. Yes. Uh, the Bible is not a history book, although we tend to look at many of its narratives as if they were because they're, you know, they talk about people and this happened and that happened and that happened and so on. But the idea of history as the recording of events in the past is a relatively modern thing. Hmm. It maybe comes out of the Enlightenment. Before that, people told stories in order to get messages across. They were util they had these stories had utility, not not reality. We could learn from the past, even an invented past. And storytellers in antiquity would would give all kinds of details in order to make their stories more readable. And it's outside the realm of verifiable history. Even Roman historians, for example, that you may have heard of Livy, L-I-V-Y, they use history for edification and they made up speeches. Now, if you go back and look at the biblical account of the Exodus and the signs and wonders, there are a lot of direct quotes. Moses said this, Pharaoh said that. There was nobody there with a tape recorder. <laughs> the storyteller is putting these words into the mouths of the, the major characters. And these help, help the people over time form traditions that give their group identity, that the stories are told so that as if they all experienced that and could identify it. It's kind of like all all the stories and myths about the founding of America. Well, the founding fathers and the founding people who came over the Mayflower, what are we talking about? Just a few dozens of people. And yet all of us become part of that narrative. They are our, they are our ancestors. They are our history. And so we get pulled, everyone in subsequent generations gets pulled into that story so that we can appreciate the magnitude of the importance of the establishment of the, the colonies and the, their independence from England. So in the same way, these stories about miraculous deliverance from sojourn in another country 
um, becomes the story of everybody, even for people who had never been in Egypt, that as the people come into the promised land, they join with their long lost cousins and their story becomes everyone's story. So we'd like to ask our guest experts this question. Um, and, you know, uh, we might have to adjust it for this one just because it's a very specific quote unquote tragedy we're covering. <laughs> um, so, I like that you use the quote unquote there now. Because <laughs> um, it may be a, a narrative tragedy rather than a historical one. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So if, if we're focusing on the narrative tragedy, if you had to pick a person or thing, it could be a concept that you think is to blame for the 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 fact that the ten plagues uh, or the ten signs and wonders happened. Who would be to blame for that? Well, according to the biblical narrative, it, it's God who who um, instigates all of this. But but. Moses and Aaron, they strike the water with their rods, they say something, whatever, and it happens. So there are, there are multiple ways to look at that. I, I would like to use that question that you asked to draw attention to something about how the literary structure of the plagues in the book of Exodus. In the first plague, the fourth plague, and the seventh plague, the Pharaoh receives a warning in advance. And it tells us that that warning comes in the morning. And then the plague takes place. In the second, fifth, and eighth ones, the Pharaoh receives a warning, but it doesn't tell you when. And then the plagues take place. And in the third and sixth and ninth, there's no warning. It just happens. So they... There's, there are three triads here that kind of help build the narrative tension. We miss all that because we're used to reading things and we're not listening to these things being recited. We don't pick up on those kind of details. But they, each of these three sets has the same sequence. And then the slaying of the firstborn is outside of that sequence. It's a separate climactic event. So this three triad pattern is one of the literary ways in which the narrator is making a point that the audience, and the early audience, by the way, is not reading this. Most people couldn't read or write. They're listening to these stories being told as a dramatic series of encounters between God, God's emissaries, Moses and Aaron, and this deified Pharaoh and his officials and his magicians and all the people. And the, these signs and wonders affect the Egyptians, not the Israelites. In one of the plagues, it even specifies that only the Israelites are spared, whatever that, that particular plague was. There's another liter literary feature, which we don't usually pick up on, but the phrase, let my people go, which, of course, we all know from, you know, songs and spirituals later on. It appears seven times in the plague sequence. And this sevenfold usage serves to emphasize the freeing of the, of the Israelites. So 
these narratives are not history writing, they're storytelling in order to convey really important fundamental theological ideas that the Israelites had about who they were, um, who their God was, and why they're living in the promised land. Professor Myers, thank you so much for joining us today and helping us understand this work of literature. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. With us today, we have producer Clayton Early. Hello. And fact checker Chris Smith. Hi. What a journey Professor Myers has taken us on. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She really shook up all of our, I don't know. Views and thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really exciting to have someone on the show who's really, uh, you know, an expert at the, you know, the the literary work of the mm-hmm. Bible. You know, yeah, I appreciated the scholarly it. scholarly approach to it, and like the reminder that this is, it is literature. It's not like a, it's not a history book, which I think sometimes. That there's like an easy confusion. I kind of loved that notion that, like, yes, this is there are there were men who are writing these stories, who are creating speeches, like this wasn't being recorded. So they are putting words in people's mouths mm-hmm. to relay a meaning or a message, which I yeah. think is and the mo- the most most illuminating element of what she talked about was how we th- we don't 
think about history the same way that people in antiquity did, just like you're saying, right. Clayton. Like these are stories to yes. them, right? That we we record, we can record history mm-hmm. <laughs> in ways today that. Obviously, we couldn't in the past. (laughs) You like totally forget that (laughs) tape recorders, and then you just if you were yeah, if you you were to share like the literal translation of what happened to like ancient times people they'd be like that's so boring like what like, you'd have to like tell it like in a grand story and they're like ah i understand <laughs> ah history um something that really popped out was you know how accuracy is a very modern idea yeah or Im- mm-hmm. it's Im- the importance of accuracy is just a modern thought Lu- it's a modern luxury and yeah, i also yeah luxury it, is a good way it to put also it. makes you think about how we think about history today which is we still do kind of make myths and make it like she was talking about mm. with the we have discovery of America. We have a, a real, um, well, if, if an event has historical significance, we sort of like isolate and highlight that and kind of, I don't know, change certain things here and there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, this will be really, uh, I, I would love to take, uh, I would love to have professor Myers, uh, take on our episode coming out next week, which is on the Million Little Pieces mm-hmm. book scandal, oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, you know, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not totally different, obviously, but it, it, yes, we're, we're these ne- these two weeks we're going to be dealing with literature mm-hmm. and history, and mm-hmm. history is literature, but history is also not literature. <laughs> right. But the way you consume history is 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 can be through literature and it's also it's in the same forum in the fa- as in like we're reading it. Well, <laughs> so. I feel like to that point people I think are, Confusing. are more attached to history through a literary lens, mm-hmm. right? Like I loved her example of the story of like our starting of America and how it's they talk about these settlers who come across and like what it, you know we as the Americans now we are all part of that ancestor so you kind of somehow feel pulled into the story I think is the way she said it mm-hmm. it's like to hear about you know their trials and their tribulations like there's a much more like empath emp- what's the word empathic. Yeah, approach to that. Like yeah. you feel like the trials and tribulations, so you feel connected to that versus something that's just like so like bullet point literal, like they they left, they yeah. arrived. Right. They... And it, it feels like they were trying to capture a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um which is like to me like the important. whole point of the Bible, yeah. right? Like it's all, the Bible is not it's a vibe. You do it's a vibe. Like, <laughs> well when she said like you to when she was talking about to say, I think she said that the nat to assume these natural disasters just like happened all consecutively kind of robs them of their theological significance. Mm. Which is to it's like it's an interesting way of I guess I don't know what this thought is, but just like these plagues are being told or shared for a reason. Like they, as she said, to display God's power, all power, you mm-hmm. know, like versus just like the, here's some bad things that happened. And these people suffered, right? Like right. there is a point in this storytelling to these plagues. And also interesting that they, according to, to the Bible, I guess what didn't happen altogether and are mentioned at different times. And some of them have warnings and some of them didn't. And something, you know, right. Like- I mean, something that, you know, I, I was struck by was how um, it was like they picked the, all like the worst of the worst 
at mm. the time. And they're like, that's how powerful mm. this God was. Mm. Um, let's pick what are the 10 worst things that could have that we all as a collective in at that time, you know, mm. have either experienced or have heard can happen and, and are terrible. Let's put it all together. Mm-hmm. And if you're a believer in that God, then you think that God's pretty powerful, right? But I guess if you didn't believe in that God at the time, like she said, there was it was pretty common that there are other gods. You're just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Be nice to have gods like uh, almost like a grocery store. I guess we do have that. We're like, oh, which God? We do, I'm but we're not with. tolerant of it, as as yeah. opposed to um, what I assume. I mean, I, I, I we don't know how. Again, you're talking about we, people we, in no ancient times. How ancient times, yeah, how you know, I think they were less. We were more, we're definitely more tolerant than they were. I wonder be, because, uh, yeah, I guess maybe, maybe. I don't know. Now I don't know. I think it depends on the person, person, <laughs> person. <laughs> town to town. Someone. Yeah, it's probably we're probably the same as they were back then. We're just living more modern times, you know, right? Yeah. And we can yeah. go on our twitter and Mm -hmm. you know we can just dialogue about it more (laughs) yeah and we also know about what's happening around the world i mean they had what messengers that's how they got news (laughs) let's remember they told these stories they told the stories yeah and and maybe and maybe that wasn't very helpful too but maybe it was helpful it's good for live theater it's definitely good and it's entertaining and if you were you are more likely to retain this uh these stories if they're if you find them entertaining and interesting or dramatic or whatever um Mm -hmm. versus i think what the news is trying to do with us right now which is make them make these uh you know events real life events dramatic or you know Mm. just to capture your attention a little you know although that's a ratings thing (laughs) that's a ratings things and we can you know we can talk about this for days um anyway the best stories back in biblical times unfortunately can't talk about this for days (laughs) why you have to go i have some yeah a few errands i need to run he's got a thing Mm. yeah he's he's not really as committed as you and i are clayton oh well chris Maybe maybe I'll I know you guys are going to send that. some plagues on onto my head. <laughs> well, plague. What plane can you quickly you remind us me? before Chris has to go um what <laughs> we ended up sending to the alarmist jail. Um So for- obviously we were going more like literal with the like biblical story. Yes, so yes. So we gave the big clap to Moses. <laughs> For yeah. Freeing yeah, sure. People. Sure. Um, we gave the big slap to anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. And we threw uh the volcanic eruption slash red algae mm. in the alarmist jail. So natural disaster as a potential cause of these plagues, but I don't know how that sits with I don't our think new that understanding works. of this. Yeah, right. I yeah. think you know, Carol was like Professor Myers was just like it was God. <laughs> well, again, what was so awesome and uh, important about having Professor Myers come on the show was that she really distinguished between yeah. the literature and the significance, narrative significance of these events and 
the scientific historicity of mm-hmm. it. Right. And I think right. that, you know, we should we should take that in. And, right. And so, like you posed to her, you know, what you know, putting aside the historicity, you know, in the narrative terms, you know, who's to blame? Maybe we should approach it from that in that way. What do you think? Um I mean, yeah, we could also in light of what Professor Myers mm-hmm, shared with mm-hmm. us is talk about like why is it even packaged as the ten plagues <laughs> to begin with? <laughs> you know, like, do we talk about who's to blame for like is there even mm-hmm. a ten plagues? You know what I mean? I don't <laughs> or is that just like a neat packagings for the purposes of telling a well, the, story. My the take pl- was no. <laughs> no, the plague. Well, yeah, the plagues, like she said, that they were, it was, that was not, that was a word that wasn't used. It wasn't used in the Bible, right. except mm-hmm. in the final the one. The translation is problematic. Yeah. In English. So plague is not exactly what that is. These wonders. Right. Well, which, which is what it would have been at the time, because they, they didn't have any science, you know, scientific. Mm. Uh, research to kind of back up what was actually happening, right? So it would have been mm-hmm. a wonder if if a bunch of locusts just like took over for a few days, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then suddenly left. You're like, what is happening? Well, the plagues also were. <laughs> that's a word that was used in the in the retelling, right? So uh, even that term. Th- this is a fake story. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I know. We know. <laughs> this is a fake. This is fake. But it's important to learn about because this, yes, these are the stories that have been told for years so, and years and years. That's what I'm saying. Assuming that so somebody then, wrote it for us to learn something, who's to blame for these events? You know what I'm saying? So maybe it is God. It's God. Because yeah. it's about God. Even if it didn't happen consecutively, it's not like a... T- neat package 10 plagues they're still all about demonstrating the power of god and god was the one who did these actual plagues mm-hmm. whenever they happen so i think that's we can blame the almighty he's the almighty yeah it's all the credit <laughs> be hard to and also the story is told in service of 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 him yeah. right yeah. him doesn't feel right to say him um of god I guess in, uh, so, in the books it's it is a hymn. So we'll yeah. we'll we'll go there. We'll go there. Um okay, so let's call it God, you're going to the alarmist jail. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. Okay. We had a really it's a bit been a big <laughs> Big week for us God's here. in there. <laughs> this is this could get tricky. Well, yeah. Look, I mean, listen, the guy has a pretty intense rap sheet. <laughs> <laughs> He's done some bad things. I don't. I would not want to be his cellmate. Let's just say. <laughs> uh, yes, you're right. He just sound. He sounds really intense. I don't know if he's for me. Uh, (laughs) um clayton before we go i want to take this moment to encourage our listeners to rate review and subscribe if you haven't already it's really important and we really appreciate it what are some of the reviews is there a review we've gotten lately that we can use as an example for the alarmy 
I have one, a five-star review from, um, I think it's Jane Kenosh says, I heard about The Alarmist on Office Ladies, much like many other new listeners, and it's my new favorite podcast. I listen every chance I get. I love hearing about all these historical events and learn something new with each episode. I am alarmed because I'm almost all caught up on episodes and won't be able to binge listen anymore. Rebecca, Clayton, and Chris all do a fantastic job at making history fun. I'm a fifth grade teacher Mm. and I'm considering using the format in my classroom. Mm. Keep up the great work. I love that. I would love to hear how that goes. (laughs) Right? How you would reframe that around a specific event for the classroom would be fun. Yeah. Um, So there's an example. Uh, We really appreciate everyone who's taken the time to do this. And uh, if if you could tell your friends and family about our show, um, it's it goes a long way. Um, And stay tuned because we have a real treat next week. We're going to be discussing the A Million Little Pieces book scandal. 